Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we play The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of The Murder Game as Jason and I follow the journey of 10 investigators as they try to catch a killer in the fictional town of Blackwater. Each episode of The Murder Game is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 9 now. In this final episode, we track down the killer and learn which of our investigators will win the 25 grand. Murder Game episode 9, the finale. It was a fun episode to watch it together again, but there were times that we needed to pause and reflect as this episode actually raises a lot more questions than it answers. We'll also let everyone know that we won't necessarily answer all of those questions that we have about the series in this episode, as we will do a bonus episode at some point where we break down the series, look at the location, the cast, the crew and contestants. And obviously now we've had an interview of a very special guest that will include some of the audio and and put the video on our YouTube channel as well. We are reminded at the start of this episode that previously Jennifer Wilmington was cleared, therefore only three suspects remain. They are Jay, Trevor and Goldie. We were also reminded of Richard's departure as he lost the killer's game to Andrew. It's like music to the ears, Richard's gone. There are now only three investigators remaining, Nick, Mel and Andrew, all of whom are within touching distance of the £25,000 prize. The voiceover tells us that there are only two days left to catch the killer and information is coming in quickly. We are told about Jay knowing of Catherine being a Wilmington and having ownership of the necklace following the fire in the last episode. We are shown the necklace in much better detail and are also reminded that Jay faked Goldie's kidnapping in an attempt to get it back. Chief Bob enters to undertake the morning briefing. And you know what? It's a bit like he's entering the ring again. He congratulates the remaining investigators for making it to the final chapter of the investigation. He says the rules have now changed. There will be no lead investigator. And instead of working as a team, they are now out for themselves. Not all of them will last the course. And we find out later that this means they'll play an early killer's game at the midpoint of this episode. Chief Bob tells them there's a 25 grand bounty on the killer's head. Why has it never been described like this before? It's always been the £25,000 prize money. Prize money, and now it's suddenly a bounty. If we, if we thought there was a bounty from the start, that makes it 10 times better. Yeah. Anyway, I wonder if this is a last-minute script, right? Because it makes a lot more sense as a bounty, doesn't it? We take a look at the killer clue that Andrew bought back from the night before. It's Polaroids of a bank sort code and account number. They belong to Jay and Goldie. At time of watching, as in when we watched it together, we thought this was a bit bizarre, as in what's the purpose of this clue? Later on, we find... That that it clears Goldie. It clears her from being a suspect later in the episode. But why would the killer want to do this? It just... It doesn't make sense at all. I find it really bizarre that it... I don't know, it's not been carefully considered, really. And it does beg the question, does the killer just want to get caught? <laughs> we'd, 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 yeah, we don't even see him get caught. <laughs> we'll go into that. But we talk uh, a lot about Murder in Small Town X, but, um, and we will bring it... We will draw comparisons, I imagine, in the bonus episode. But at least in that... Spoiler alert for anyone who's not watched that yet, but we're going to talk about it. In Murder in Small Town X, there's a purpose behind the killer's motives, and it is almost as though they want to get caught because of this grand thing they're doing, as though to say, I'm getting revenge for something that happened. It's a big showpiece, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas this is, well, we'll find out. We're not going, you know, there will be people listening to this without knowing, so we won't reveal the killer just yet. I just don't see the point. It's like the worst Scooby-Doo episode ever. (laughs) I would have got away with it if it weren't for your meddling kids. And all these clues that have led you to me. (laughs) And every time you come out to find me, I leave something behind, which doesn't even make sense. Someone's bank details. 
Anyway, we're told that 50 quid was withdrawn from the account at the time Catherine was murdered. So whoever used the cash point at this time can be cleared as a suspect. Nick wonders. But I think in this case, what we could be looking for is maybe to get CCTV footage of who actually was at that cash point. And Chief Bob says they will, but it might take a while to get that video. Like, that's not taking a while. That's not taking a while. <laughs> We've got a murderer on the loose and yeah. we need this footage. Sort it out, Barclays. <laughs> Mel throughout the series has had some cracking lines and she doesn't disappoint in this episode. Chief Bob asks whether she would kill if her fella was having an affair with her sister. She says, Yeah, I'd kill. They get given their first line of inquiry, which is to head to the Wilmington family solicitors, as today they are reading the will of Tony Wilmington. And despite now working alone, they go together on all of these tracks. Whilst they're there, they need to speak with Jay and Goldie to determine who used the cash point. Chief Bob wonders if it's suspicious that they didn't tell us originally about this withdrawal, as effectively it provides an alibi for whoever used it. Remember, suspect. Everyone. Trust. No one. Remember, suspect everyone. Trust no one. When Bob says this, though, both Andrew and Mel have smirks on their faces. So clearly they're getting oh, they a know. giggle from it. In these final lines of inquiry, there are no hidden tests, so they can't pass or fail. The idea is they use all of their time to follow up with the three remaining suspects to determine who did it. This actually made them a lot more relaxed. I think they're all quite chill in this episode. <laughs> on their way to the solicitors, Mel says, I'm going to be bad cop today. And Nick responds, I think we're three bad cops. Yeah. So at the solicitors, Tony in his will has left Creepsy to Jay and Jennifer. That bit's read out by the solicitor. And then we have the cliche Last Will and Testament video where Tony reads out the next bit himself. In the video, he mentions Creepsy again. So I'm not entirely sure why the solicitor was reading that bit out for it to then be shown again in video. Anyway, Tony goes on to say that the necklace will be left to Catherine Pryor, my daughter. And following Catherine's death, will be left to Anya and Anya alone. The family are visibly gutted. There's one other person who should be named. Who shall have no hold or title over the Wilmington Jewel in any circumstances whatsoever. And this is Anya's blood father, Trevor Doby. Bastard. Jay is surprised at this point and storms out. Jennifer follows him and takes Felicity with her. Goldie talks to the investigators and takes them to the cafe so she can have a word. The voiceover reminds us how dodgy Goldie has been throughout withholding information. When they first broke the news to Goldie of her sister's death, she appeared distressed. But the next day, she was at the morgue trying to get the necklace off the investigators. The voiceover mentions that Goldie colluded with Jay to get the necklace back during the fake kidnapping. We were never told that. We oh. knew that Jay and Jennifer had worked on it together, but for all we knew, Goldie still could be shook up from it all and not mm -hmm. know that her husband had set it up, or future husband. Anyway, don't need to dig too deep into it. We just weren't told that she was in on it until now. At the cafe, Goldie tells investigators that she needs to tell them something, but Andrew gets in there first and says they also have questions for her. He asks Goldie about her movements. She says she took a phone call from Jay at 11am. He was asking her to meet him at the church so they could get the necklace back. Jay had already apparently tried to get it back but couldn't and the wedding couldn't go ahead if they didn't have it. Some nonsense that he's made up to try and get the, the necklace back. Anyway, Goldie went into the church and attempted to convince Catherine to lend her the necklace as her something borrowed for the wedding. Catherine wasn't having any of it and didn't let her have the necklace. As Goldie was going to leave, Catherine had a call from Trevor. Apparently they were having an argument. Goldie said she didn't see anyone else other than Jay outside the church 
and she can't vouch for his whereabouts after she left. Andrew brings up the cash withdrawal and Goldie confirms that she was getting money to buy Jennifer some flowers. Nick then follows up by asking about the kidnapping and Goldie says that Jay came up with this idea. Goldie went along with it because she realised if Jay wanted the necklace, then he doesn't have it. Therefore means Jay didn't kill Catherine. And it was, it was my one little shred of hope to hold on to that he was innocent in all this. Mel asks Goldie's feelings about Jay being involved and she says she no longer knows what to think. Goldie then says she's previously not told them about using the cash point as the story could implicate Jay. That's a bit weak really. She could have said that she'd gone to the cash point and gone straight back home and they could verify that with the CCTV footage. I mean the fact that she's worried about that and not the fact that her husband set up a fake hostage situation. <laughs> It's mind-blowing. <laughs> but she, she could have been cleared a long time ago. Anyway, as Goldie leaves, Mel suggests it's all starting to point towards Jay. At the same time as all this, Trevor is bundling his belongings into a van and making an escape from his dwelling at Creeksy. Jennifer spots him and calls in the investigators. They head over, but by the time they arrive, he's gone. I don't know if you noticed, but all of the shots from the air of Creeksy, there's no fire damage. So all those flames coming out the roof and everything, that house is completely undisturbed. Do you, do you think that fire was fake then, do you? <laughs> and, and Jennifer's living in it as though nothing's happened. Yeah, just there's just soot and ash everywhere. She doesn't care. In the annex where Trevor lives, there is a room boarded up. This time, instead of finding a dead baby, they find a child's room. There are photos of Anya and children's toys in the room. It's suggested that he was preparing the room for Anya to come over and stay. Jennifer tells them that Anya has never been over to stay there before. We see other items such as letters addressed to Anya that have been returned to sender. Was Trevor preparing the room for Anya because he knew Catherine's death was imminent? Mel suggests that he could have been doing it following Catherine's death, but also suggests that he was two bricks short of a wall. I mean, if he, he was... Two bricks short of a wall, that guy. He didn't do a very good job at clearing out either, did he, really? I don't think. There's still a lot of stuff there. He's left loads. And considering he's, le he's left, like, loads of Anya's toys, there's photos of Anya there, supposedly the, the daughter that he wants to say live with him. You see him walking out the house with a box of what seems to be just... Posters, yeah. A3 pieces of paper screwed up. <laughs> yeah. He's got his uh, Samantha Fox posters screwed up in a, in a, in a box. He's not, not photos of his actual daughter. <laughs> they are next heading to Jay's barge to question him as they missed him earlier. In the back of the Land Rover, we hear quote of all quotes, and there have been a few, but I think Nick takes the crown of things you should not say. Yeah, I mean, the look of that room and the way he lives, it was made look like a retard. Oh my God, Nick. You can't say that now. That's not on TV now. Voiceover gives us an insight into Jay's suspicions. Jay found out Catherine was his half-sister just two days before she died. He also learned she'd been given the necklace he'd always believed was his. They head down to Jay's barge, but no one is home. They begin to snoop around, and Mel notices a message that had been left on Jay's answer phone. It's a message from Goldie telling him she's revealed everything to investigators. I've just seen the investigators, and I've told them everything. I'm really sorry. They find some Polaroids, which Nick and the voiceover both describe as being the same as those left by the killer. I mean, no way. A popular camera brand producing the same type of photos. <laughs> You'd never think that, would you? They flip the board around that has photos on and see a shrine to Catherine. Is this a callback to the wank shrine in Murder in <laughs> Why did you call it that? You called it that in the first series. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Why is he hiding that, though? Why is he hiding that? Well, because it's his missus on the one side, and on the other side, it's Catherine. Is it? Is her sister? Yeah, of course you're hiding that. Depends what day of the week he wants, isn't it? 
He could have easily got around that just by putting both on one side. Yeah, it's a bit sus, isn't it? If you've I mean, got I mean, unless unless you've got pictures of your 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 wife, like normal pictures, and the ones of her sister are like from a bush <laughs> or like from an extended extended lens sort of shots, just family photos, just family photos. I don't know what you're about, Goldie. <laughs> they discuss how Catherine had been with everyone in the town, and Mal says, "No wonder she was murdered." As if sleeping around should lead to your death. Like, hang on a minute. It's like, for every person you sleep with, it's one year off your life. (laughs) (laughs) When they get back to HQ, they find the power has been cut and the place has been ransacked. Andrew is the first to notice. Look at this. Oh, look at... Oh, Christ, look at that. There are messages from the killer and blood everywhere. Whose blood's that? Is it meant to be like you just go around and like, tre- Trevor's hair like white as a ghost, like with a pr- pricked finger, like, in his arm. Yeah, he's just like, oh, just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> Nick rings Chief Bob to report what's happened, and Mel notices Barbie hanging from a noose. <gasps> Barbie! Barbie on a noose. Oh my god, oh my god, he's killed, he's killed Barbie. <laughs> Now, anyone watching this might think that that clearly points to Trevor, as he had the Barbies in the attic room that he was making for Anya. However... They're not a seven-year-old girl's Barbies. They're a 21-year-old girl's <laughs> Barbies. <laughs> exactly. That's one of Mel's Barbies that she took with her. Mel made it her priority to go and save Barbie and finds, when she's upstairs, the Polaroids of her dirty undies strewn all over the house. In a fantastic scene, Nick and Mel spot a silhouette of a hand in the darkness and they shine a torch onto it and start calling Andrew. And he pops out. <laughs> There's a hand. You see? Oh, God. Oh. Andrew! Yeah? Oh, Andrew, Bastard. you two. <laughs> the power comes back on and in walks John Cena, uh, um, Chief Bob. <laughs> twice in one episode you lucky listeners the killer has left two locations they are playing the killer's game early to get the three investigators down to two to determine who is playing the killer's game they are being judged on all of their previous lines of inquiry from the series we are told that this is the most important killer's game chief bob tells us that andrew has failed six times mel has failed four times and nick has failed five times therefore andrew and nick are playing the killer's game nick is going to the living quarters of the nuclear bunker and andrew is going to the operational zone Andrew counts that he's now playing the killer's game for the sixth time. Sixth time? Unbelievable. We see them head out to their locations, followed by the night vision footage. Once again, it's kicking off. Explosions, air raid sirens. It is pretty scary again. We heard a lot of bad language from both Nick and Andrew. I wasn't expecting Andrew to survive, but he does. We see Nick lose the killer's game and Andrew return to Mel. Nobody loves me. There's nobody here. Mel is asleep on the couch at the time. And then when she wakes up, Andrew describes his experiences. It's not the greatest night out, I can tell you. When watching the next scene together, we laughed because the camera was filming Mel as she climbed into bed, followed by Andrew getting into his bed and his saggy pants were hanging off. It's disgusting. The next morning, the chief arrives for the very last briefing. They're all laughing that Andrew's still around. Andrew came back with a killer clue from the night before, which was a series of Polaroids with a cryptic message that spells out the fate of the investigators. Who am I? If you are right, you live. If you are wrong, you die. That's not very cryptic. (laughs) That isn't cryptic. 
That's factual. That's just words. They look over recent developments. The CCTV is back from the cash point, and we see that Goldie did indeed draw out the cash, so she is now cleared as a suspect. It's now just between Trevor and Jay, and Andrew and Mel now need to determine who the killer is. Chief Bob says, I have reviewed all the evidence put before you. I've worked out who did it. Of course you have, Bob. Well, then, if there's a killer, mate, just go and arrest them. Yeah, go and nick them, then. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I hate that so much. The fact that... Because he's got to be the first one to do it, hasn't he? They can't be smarter than him. Oh, God. It's cringe. They now have an hour to determine who the killer is. If they both guess correctly, they will share the prize. If they both guess incorrectly, they will get nothing. I like this, though. I like that. Yeah, that's quite cool. That they can both guess the same person. Mm. Away they go and review the evidence. We are told that the audio recording from the church, the phone records of the suspects, and the eyewitness reports contain key details needed to crack the case. We now see Andrew and Mel explain who they think the killer is and why. Andrew goes first and explains that he thinks Trevor is the killer. His thought process around this seems quite logical. I think at the back of his mind was that if he could get rid of her, he would have a fair chance of gaining parenthood of Anya Pryor, his daughter. When committing the crime, I think he then saw the necklace and took that as well. His mother had been treated badly by the Wilmingtons. He hated the whole family and the whole family dynasty. Mel follows and says that she thinks Jay is the killer. She thought this all along and doesn't want to change her mind this close to the end. Again, some solid rationale behind Mel's logic. And I think it was an emotional attack. He's realised that um, his, the relationship he's been having with Catherine is with his sister. And so he's basically lost all his family and friends through this, which I think um, is a very good motive. When she says that the ransom note from the fake kidnapping constructed by Jay contained the words, come alone tonight, and that the killer uses those same words when he's taunting investigators, I thought she'd hit the nail on the head. Yeah, same. I, that was the, the key thing for me was there's a tell in the way the text is written. Obviously, things change, and we'll speak about the winner later on, but it would seem that it's probably just the same producer that writes the same. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Just messed up. Same language used. Chief Bob reveals to them each other's choices so that they know it's all or nothing now for them. They won't be sharing the prize money. The chief also dwells on the fact that whoever picks correctly will live and whoever chooses incorrectly will die. And this, for me, is just quite simply some awful production. Yep. If the bounty of 25 grand goes to the winner, then surely they both live. As the person casing the killer catches the killer mm -hmm. and the person chasing the wrong person is in a completely different place to the killer. So you'd think that that person that's not chasing the killer is going to be with uh, as far away as possible from the killer so that then they survive. So both should survive at the end. We'll discuss this later on. Oh, the more I think about it, the more it just doesn't make sense. Andrew is heading to the Yacht Club to track down Trevor. Mel is going to the disused airfield to track down Jay. They are told to track down, but do not confront. I get that they try to make this all a bit exciting for um, a series finale and all that sort of thing, but I think they should have gone to the homes to make the arrest or something like that, rather than, you know, much like Murder in Small Town X. Yeah, rather than some random... Hollywood ending type thing. When Andrew arrives at the Yacht Club, 
he asks if anyone around here can handle a boat. It's really funny because there's only one person around and he goes, Well, yeah, I can on the boatman in. The next scenes are basically one big long chase. Mel chasing Jay on his motorbike and Andrew chasing Trevor in a boat. This must go on for hours because they start tracking it around 3pm and then when they come to play the final game, it's dark. So I think that chase went on for quite some time. We finally get a full recap of actually what went down during the moments before Catherine's death and then the investigators play what is dressed up to be the very final killer's game. Both of them are bricking it as they finally come to the end of their journeys. Cut into the footage, we see that it was Trevor who killed Catherine in the church. Mel is therefore eliminated and Andrew is still standing at the end. Andrew, please join me. Andrew, congratulations. Chief Bob is there to greet him at the end. To be honest, I'd rather meet the killer than Chief Bob. I'd rather be stabbed in the eye. <laughs> With some navigational dividers. Of trowel. <laughs> Andrew is congratulated for naming the killer and therefore the winner of the £25,000. Andrew tells Bob, oh my God, I'm glad you're here, Chief. I haven't been keen on seeing you some mornings, but I'm pleased to see you now. <laughs> What I do like at the very end is that we get told of some of the clues that led Andrew to being right about Trevor. Not all of that information has been fully available to us throughout the series, but it's good that it ties most of the loose ends together. We don't re need to relive it all here, but... What was your what was one of your favourite clues? I've got a favourite clue. So this is what I've got as a, as, a, as a mention. So I think I'm glad that the Jay mentioning that he didn't get changed for 24 yeah, hours came 100%. Back. I love the fact that, what was his name? The, the old guy. Uh, Edward Green, I think. Edward Green. And he said that someone was in there with a brain check shirt. Fantastic. That was like the standout clue for me. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was brilliant. Because we, we picked that up in the second episode because Jay's a bit shifty at the start where he's trying to pull Gordie away from the hospital. Mm. And he says, come on, we, we, we better get going because uh, I've not got changed in 24 hours. And it was such a, I mean, we picked up on it, but it was such it, a throwaway it, comment. Though, yeah, isn't it, it came back six or seven hours later or mm -hmm. but people watching it. That was six or seven weeks. You know, anyone watching this. But also the, time, the way that Edward Green was chatting pure shit. So much. Yeah. You had to pick those bits out and they didn't pick that out at all. Yeah. I, li I liked earlier in the series as well that the pathologist, we heard the Catherine was wearing contact lenses and then obviously the person mentions the glasses, but this one was mentioned in that second episode. And again, you know, the fact that there was someone in a brown check shirt and that all came back at the end is is brilliant. Don't get me wrong. You'd have to tie everything else in. That wasn't an alibi for no. Jay because he could have been in there at a certain time, but it was really good that we knew that that brought it all together. So in the final scene, we see Bob and Andrew having a handshake which seems to last for an eternity and that is it you'll never come out again will you chief i'm going home and i i'm i'm becoming a recluse nobody's ever going to see me ever again thoughts why is jay thinking oh no i'm actually not going to talk to the investigator i'm just going to get my scrambler and absolutely i'm going to taunt them on my motorbike yeah and do some sick jumps and stuff which i'm sure wasn't him and that's why they had a helmet on <laughs> <laughs> they had a helmet on because you're on a motorbike as well but it's not that cool then is he <laughs> <laughs> Wear your helmet, kids. But why? Why? Was that just to make it like? Or oh, it could be any of them. It just felt like such a like a point. I, I hated the end. Like I, I'm satisfied. Or the actual with, end. Yeah, I'm satisfied with the story. Yeah. I, it's 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 very low key. It's only, oh, and it is. And before you said low key, I was going to say it's low cool because it's very much one of those. It could be a Midsummer Murders episode. Yeah. It's not a serial killer on the loose or anything like that. Well. All right, they killed Tina, but that was purely because she was giving quite a few things away. But the fact that they didn't make an arrest, we don't know. We don't know if that killer is still on the loose. But, 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 
what even more annoying about it is the fact that Chief Bob said he knows who killed him. And then, but then goes, this is not get. So Mel's gone to what, see Jay? Mel's just chased, chased Jay because she's but, tracking Jay but then, down. But Trevor's there then because she dies. Yeah, he's, that's what I don't get. So, so but then and, Andrew's gone to see Trevor. Yeah. But no one's there. No, apart from <laughs> Chief, Chief Bob. Bob. So we're saying that Chief Bob was in the cahoots with Trevor. <laughs> and it's some sort of two killer scream situation going on. Yeah, that's why I didn't like the about the ending, I think, because Andrew should have gone and arrested Trevor and had yeah. it out with Trevor. And even even make that boat scene part of that, you know, and even make Jay's thing part of Mel's. Yeah, and then Mel catches up with him and he's like, no, I've got nothing to do with it, you know, because exactly. there's no reason for Mel to die. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense because they're they might be they're more than a few miles apart. That's a, that's a fact. Yeah. What are we saying? So Andrew came to the end of his journey and is congratulated by Chief Bob for tracking down the right person. Where is that person? Oh yeah, no, he's actually travelled across town. He's now killing Mel, who was chasing Jay. Yeah. And, and I would have forgiven it if Mel had gone on her, got to the end of her journey, and found Jay dead murdered by the murderer yes because then jay being dead at the end proves that it wasn't him or even if they wanted to do it this way you've got trevor standing over jay's dead body and then mel is killed because then that's saying yeah you went the wrong way you shouldn't have been tracking jay you should have been tracking yeah. trevor because then when andrew gets there it's like chief bob's going right trevor was here but now he's gone across town we're going to go and find and him I, and i think that's the, the how inconsistent this show was with the fact that did it want to be a game or did it want to be as close to real life as possible because obviously murder small town x as soon as they were in eastport they were living it they were living that community yeah where in this it seems like well no the, the case is going on but at the end here, andrew you're gonna shake your hand and here's your check and the game is over you know well we we know Mel's dead. We don't know anything about Jay. We know that Trevor is the killer, but where is he? And that Bob's just giving Andrew some money. Well, you haven't caught him. The bounty, yeah. you only get the bounty when you catch someone, surely. Just because yeah. you've worked out who it is. The, and obviously when Bob's saying, oh, I know who it is. Fucking go and catch him then, Bob. So satisfied? Um, yeah, no. Bit of an anticlimax, I think, yeah, for me. The end ruined it. Like, as I say, there were, there were bits that ruined it. We would have changed it. We'd have taken the narration out. We wouldn't have had the pass-fail criteria. We'd have let them get on with it and actually seen their personality shine a little bit more. With all that said, if that had been a killer ending and they'd have arrested the person at the end and all the loose ends were tied up, you'd think, yeah, that's fine. But not satisfied in terms of how they closed it. But also... I mean, one person was killed in the village and then someone else was a bit later on. It wasn't exactly a terrifying experience like Murder in Small Town X was. But I think we spoiled it for ourselves by watching Murder in Small Town X first. Really happy, though, to have a lot of people on board with wanting to rewatch it and listen to us and stuff like that. Uh, and we won't stop doing this. We'll always be hypercritical of things. And maybe we were a bit lenient on Murder in Small Town X. If we went back through now, we'd say, oh, they should have done that. Shut your mouth, that, that thing's... 10 out of 10 TV. It is 10 out of 10 TV. It is 10 out of 10. <laughs> but who done it next, mate? And I can't wait. If you're still with us, thanks for listening. Think we're a bit harsh on the murder game? Come and let us know. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us again next time for a bonus episode where we discuss cast and crew and have a chat with our favourite investigator, Mel.